If you turn me, please, in your Bibles back to um, Joshua chapter 1. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read the chapter again. And um, I always think that's profitable for us. Joshua chapter 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses. So I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shall thou divide for inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe... Thank you, brother. That thou mayest observe to do. Let's start that over again. Only be strong and very courageous, for thou thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not thou, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days you shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God giveth you to possess it. And to the Reubenites and Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua, saying, Remember the, Lord, the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest, and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of Jordan, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed, all the mighty men of valor, and help them. Until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you, and they shall also possess, have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them, then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses the Lord's servant gave you on this side Jordan toward the sun rising. And he answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us we will do, and whithersoever thou sendest us we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandments and will not hearken to thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of a good courage. Lord, as blessing as we look into his word. Now, <clears throat> this morning, we didn't get very far into this. I realized that we just uh, kind of did a little review of the events leading up to this time when <clears throat> Moses led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, brought them across the wilderness journey, those 40 years, and brought them to the border, to the edge of the land. And the Lord, again, didn't allow him to go in. He allowed him to look into the land and see it, but he didn't allow him to go into it. And the book of Deuteronomy ends in chapter 34 with the death of Moses there up on the mountain all alone. And, of course, we know from... Uh, later on that uh, the angels uh, took his body away 
uh, primarily because, as I said, the tendency of the heart of men is to be idolatrous, isn't it? I mean, we're just idols by idolaters by nature. Uh, because remember what happened when they had the brazen serpent. Uh, later on, we read that um, that that serpent they'd actually began to worship that, and so the tendency would have been to take Moses' body and, and worship it as well. I mean, we're like that, aren't we? I mean, look at all you got to do is look at some of the sports stars and some of the movie stars, and men like to raise people up and and worship them and, and adore them. And of course, uh, that's the tendency of the of the heart of man, of the old nature, and. Uh, and yet, real worship, real praise, real adoration belongs to the Lord alone. He's the only one that's worthy to be lifted up above us. Uh, but that was a tendency of the Lord in, to prevent the people from doing that. Uh, Moses died there alone uh, up on the mountain. So Joshua's here. And, and again, you've got to realize the situation with Joshua. Here he is. He's been with the nation of Israel. Uh, he and Caleb were the only two that lived all throughout that wilderness journey. Uh, they were the only two faithful of the, tens, or the 12 spies that went in. And so the Lord allowed them to go into the land. And, of course, they both did marvelous things, uh, won great victories in the land as as they went in. But, I mean, can you imagine just what it was like? Millions of people, millions of people there uh, in the tribes of Israel, uh, all that was going on. And, of course, the Lord had given them victories with Amalek and, of course, with, with the kings on the western side, uh, the eastern side of the Jordan River. And had given that land to them. And the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half of the tribe of Manasseh decided that's where they wanted to stay. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment when we get to that section. But but can you imagine what it was like for him to have the, the burden of this multiplicity of people and the daunting task? I mean, he knew what it was like over there, right? He knew what the cities were like. He knew what the chariots of iron looked like. He knew what these giants were like. I mean, he knew better than anybody what was waiting them on the other side of the Jordan River. And so it's, I think it's very <clears throat> pertinent that the Lord takes this opportunity to speak to Joshua face to face. And he tells him, as we looked this morning, repeating what Moses had told him back in Deuteronomy chapter 31, you be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous. You be strong and courageous. And, and brethren, I think that's the word that the church of Jesus Christ needs to hear today. You be strong and courageous. I, I, I think at least we in America as believers have gotten to the place where we're almost almost apologetic for being believers we 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 fear what man can do to us i think too many times and we're not bold in the gospel one of the things that characterized the early church is that they were spoke the gospel with boldness. Now, now there's a great difference between boldness and haughtiness. Boldness is the concept of absolute and utter confidence. We, and we alone, have the truth. Right? We and we alone have the truth. There's many religions out there, and they all fall into the category of works-based religion to some degree or another. They're all false because they deny the truth of the gospel. They deny the truth of the person of God, the person of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ. They deny the truth of the Word of God. 
And as long as you and I keep tightly to this book and continue to proclaim and live the principles found out in this book, we've got the truth. We're on the winning side. And, and we need to be bold in the gospel. We need to be confident. We need not be afraid uh, in presentation of the gospel and teaching of God's word. As long as we're able to say, thus saith the Lord. You know, the difference between the Lord Jesus Christ and the other teachers of his day and what, mar- what, what, what marveled the people was, he taught as one having authority. And, and I think almost today, and it's sad, you know, you see so many preachers get up on a platform and say, well, maybe I think it possibly could say this. Well, man, I don't need anybody to tell me maybe it possibly could say this. Let's, let's teach the truth. Let's say, thus saith the Lord, and not ever uh, um, in any way compromise or in any way uh, apologize for hanging closely to the Word of God. Be strong and courageous. He tells him to begin with, um, I made a promise to the people of Israel all the way back in the days of Abraham and all the way till today. I've made a promise to the people of Israel. I will give you this land. He doesn't say you're going to take the land. He says, I will give you the land. I'm going to give it to you. And he says, every place where the sole of your foot treads I will give it to you just like I told Moses I would. Now that's a promise from God. The Lord Jesus Christ, when the great profession by Peter in Matthew chapter 16, when he asked him, who do you all say I am? And he says, you are the Christ. You're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior. He says, upon this rock, upon this great truth that I am, I am, and, and I alone am the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, on that great principle, that great truth, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the question comes, and I know the, it's a rhetorical question, we all know the answer to this. Has in any way the Lord Jesus Christ diminished in power or authority over the last 2,000 years? Well, absolutely not. Is that principle, is that truth that he will build his church as true today as it was the day he spoke it 2,000 years ago? Well, again, obviously it is. Um, This world, the prince of the power of the air, the god of this world is Satan. This is his domain, in a sense. Until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and takes it back at the end of the tribulation period and sets up his millennial kingdom for those 1,000 years. But right now, he's the God of this world. He is the prince of the power of the air. The gates of hell are right here. But the, just as when the first scene when they cross over the Jordan River after they, well, there's some things they do on the other side, but the first battle they fight, of course, is against Jericho. And Jericho had these massive walls that you could drive a chariot around the top of them. It was a fortified city that no one would ever think about trying to attack or destroy. And yet what happened? Those walls fell straight down. Didn't fall out, didn't fall in. They fell straight down. And they walked right in, it says. Because God gave them the victory. (laughs) He destroyed the city of Jericho. He destroyed the army and all the, all the, uh, the, the forces that that city had. He gave them the victory. 
And, and today, as again we were saying this morning, if there's anything we do for the Lord Jesus Christ, it's all Him and none of us. I mean, we're just instruments, you know? We're, we're just, we're just the vessels that God uses. Uh, you know, when, when you, when you drink, like we had some, some root beer today that was, uh, that was made right at the place where we had. Well, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't say, wow, this is a wonderful glass that this root beer's in, did we? But boy, when we tasted that root beer, we said, man, this root beer is good, isn't it? It wasn't the vessel, it was, was in the vessel that we praised. The same thing's true for us. It's not us that receive the praise. It's what's in us, the Lord Jesus Christ in us, working through us for His glory. That's what receives the praise, right? And so, um, the Lord had made Him a promise. I will give you the land. Everywhere where your foot treads, I will give you the land. Brethren, we can claim the same thing. The gates of hell shall not prevail. We're going to win in the end. It looks like the world's winning, but it looked that same way at the cross of Calvary, didn't it? But we're going to win in the end. And the gospel, praise God, is still the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. We don't have to compromise at all, do we? Let's preach the truth of the gospel. Men are born sinners. They deserve to go to hell. They deserve the wrath of God. They deserve the eternal damnation of God because they're sinners by nature, sinners by practice, sinners by desire. They have no new nature. They have no ability to have a relationship with God because they're lost in their sins and they love it. But, <laughs> in the spite of all that, and in the midst of all that, we read this morning in Romans chapter 5, God sent His Son to be the propitiation, to, be, to make the atonement, to make the reconciliation between sinful man and a holy and righteous God. And only by grace through faith in Him and His finished work on the cross of Calvary can we have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it takes a desire, it takes a repentance, it takes a brokenness before God, a realization of who I am, and a realization that what God says is true in agreement with Him and His Word and that's where salvation comes, right? We don't have to compromise that. We don't have to water that down any at all. It's still the power of God of salvation. And men and women, boys and girls, all over the world are being saved every day through the proclamation of the gospel. So let's not, let's not turn away from it. The Lord has made us a promise. Let's hold Him to that promise. He loves to be held to His promises, doesn't He? Loves to be reminded of His promises that He's made. And say, Lord, You've made this promise perform and manifest the glory and the power of God. He loves to do that. And so we can hold Him to those things. Well, He tells Joshua, you're going to go in. And He tells him all the way from the Euphrates River, all the way up to the land where, which is Lebanon today, all the way down to Egypt, all the way over to the Red Sea. I'm going to give it. Now, they've never possessed all that yet. They will in the Millennial Kingdom, but they haven't possessed it yet. Uh, the greatest extent they possessed it was at the end of David's life, the beginning of Solomon's reign and kingdom. But, but they haven't gotten it all yet, but they will. God will perform that. And he says uh, to him, he says, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And here's a wonderful, wonderful thing, wonderful truth that he gives him. As I was with Moses, this is verse 5, As I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Now, we, last night we alluded to Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And in that, the Lord says, As you're going, make disciples of all men, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And here's, here's the, I mean, all that's wonderful. All that's fantastic. But you know what makes it possible? He says, And lo, I am with you always, 
even unto the end of the age. That's what makes it possible. I mean, if he had that last part to it, all the rest of it would just be meaningless, right? All the rest of it would be me and you trying to go in our own strength, our own ability, our own intelligence to try to do the work. It's not going to do anything. But he says, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. I mean, when you read where Paul was in Corinth, Corinth and this wicked, horrible, ungodly city, and the Lord says to him, he says, don't worry, Paul. <laughs> I have much people in this place. Wow! What a blessing! What a blessing! And and the same thing is true for us, brethren. You know, the Lord's not He's not into numbers and into big crowds. I mean, that's that's not how the Lord operates. I mean, if a lot of people say praise the Lord, I'm not saying anything against it, but He's usually the God of the remnant, isn't He? As you go through Scripture, that's what we see. The few. I mean, there was only what 120 on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. I mean, after three years of ministry and teaching and healing and miracles, there was only 120 there on the. I mean, that's amazing to us. But you know, that's how the Lord operates. That's how He works. And so, um, you know, we don't have to be worried about all this massive amount of numbers. We just need to trust the Lord. And the wonderful thing is, even when it seems like we're all alone, the Lord is with us. I was telling the folks last night, when we went to Palencia, Spain, for four years, and my children were all small, we went there, our, our oldest daughter was nine, our youngest boy was was just a little, almost two years old. And um, <clears throat> we... Uh, for four years, we met in our apartment, just my wife and I breaking bread with our and none of our children were believers at that point. Four years. Every day, door to door, preaching on the street, handing out gospel literature, doing surveys, every day sharing the gospel with people, and nothing for four years. Now, that's really not very long. <laughs> you might seem like it to you, but boy, I'll tell you, when that first dear brother came to know christ what a wonder and he's still going on for the lord he's still going on for the lord he's done every amaze course there is every every course that the uh, everyday publication puts out he he sits he's deaf in both ears okay he's got hearing aids you can hear a little bit now but he's deaf in both ears but this brother he's got volumes of books that he sat down and just writes the scripture out he's he's a uh, a bricklayer Hands that are like huge and just these massive, you know, rough. But he's got the most beautiful handwriting where he just written out the word of God and is so precious, so precious. And you know, praise the Lord. If that's all there was, praise the Lord that there's one soul in heaven out of that. But you know, you can get discouraged at times. But you know, the thing that kept us going was, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And so I know there was times in Joshua's experience throughout this book where he thought, you know what, here I am, I'm almost, it's almost like I'm all alone, but the Lord is with me, the Lord is with me, the Lord is with me. So be encouraged in that, that the Lord is here. And then he says, so I, um, there'll be no man that I was with thee, I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. And he says, so you be strong and of good courage. Verse 6, for unto this people you'll divide the land for an inheritance which I swear to their fathers to give them. You know, you be strong and courageous because you're going to have the responsibility of dividing this land. I'm making this a promise to you. You're going to divide the land. Now, these two terms, strong and courageous, again, I think there's got to be a strength, a fortitude in our lives, brethren, because everything's the world's attacking us, and sad to say, even other believers are attacking us. If you take a stand for the Lord, the scripture says you're going to suffer persecution. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And, and here's the truth. A lot of times, and sad to say, 
the bulk of that persecution doesn't come from the world. It comes from unbelievers. It comes from believers. I'm sorry. It comes from believers. It comes from believers. And, and it's just sad. It really is. because. And I think part of the problem is, is just like in the day of the Lord Jesus, the bulk of the persecution of the Lord didn't come from the Romans. It came from the Pharisees. It came from the Jews. It came from his, the, the religious people, right? And why did it say? Pilate said, the reason these men have turned him over, he says, was because of envy. It was because his holy, righteous life manifested that they were a bunch of hypocrites. And I think sometimes it's true today, not always, not always the case, but I think sometimes persecution comes because if we're living godly in Christ Jesus, it manifests that some are not living, and they get jealous, they get envious of that. And they don't want that, don't want us to do that. And so they attack us. Oh, you're a legalist, oh, you're extremist, oh, you're whatever they have to do to attack us and attack the ministry because it really manifests that they're not walking in the light, walking with the Lord. And again, that's not always true, but I think it happens sometimes. And so he says, you be strong. You be, know what you believe and why you believe it. You be strong in the Lord. You, you get your strength, your fortitude, all of your, all of your um, ability. You rely upon the Lord, casting yourself upon Him. I remember the, the first year I went out with the good news on the move team. And we were going door to door. I told these guys, I said, here's what you got to be doing. You got two guys. One of you just needs to keep your mouth shut, right? Let the other brother talk. And the other one needs to be praying. Praying. And I said, when you walk from one house to the next, you need to be praying that the Lord would prepare the heart of that individual you're going to knock on, whose door you're going to knock on, and the Lord would give you wisdom in what to say and what not to say. It's not some canned phrase you go up there every time and say the same thing. You're sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God in what to say and what not to say, because sometimes it's more important what we don't say than what we do say, right? And so ask for wisdom. Cast yourself on the Lord constantly. Constantly. He loves it. I mean, he loves us to be dependent upon him. And so, uh, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in him and in your faith. And then he says, be courageous. Like we said, don't fear what men can do. The worst thing a man could do to me is kill me. Praise the Lord. You know? There's a brother, Phil Dendinger, who's in Albania right now, but he was in Spain when we were first there. And preaching on the street one time, he told me that we would go out and use a sketchboard and preach, and we'd preach the gospel and, and you know get large crowds there, and it was really interesting. Sometimes there was back and forth. But he said this one time he was preaching, and this guy came up with this huge knife and stuck it in his neck and said, if you don't stop what you're doing, I'm going to kill you. Well, if, y'all, y'all know Phil Dinger and all? I mean, this guy is, yeah. He said, praise God, go ahead, you know? I mean, this guy, the, the greatest desire in Phil Dinger's life is to be a martyr for the Lord Jesus. I mean, that's what he really wants. I mean, this guy is, I mean, on fire. He's an evangelist if there ever was one, you know. And, and the guy said, you're a nut, and walked off. And Phil was kind of disappointed, you know. But, but anyway, uh, but, you know, what can man do? The worst thing, I mean, the, let them talk about us all they want. Let them, let them say whatever they want to say, right? That can't, that can't do us any harm. I mean, what they, they spoke about against the Lord Jesus, didn't they? He didn't turn his tail and say, well, I better, I'm going to give up now because people are talking bad about me. The worst thing they can do is take our life. And what happens then? We're with the Lord, you know? Plus, they can't do that to me unless it's the Lord's will anyway. As long as I'm walking in Him, you know, by the, guided by the Spirit, they can't do me any harm. So, be courageous. Trust in the Lord. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, it's, it's like this that uh, I've heard people say to me, well, Mark, you know, if, if I would share the gospel where I am, I'd get fired. 
well, who gave you the job to begin with? Did the Lord not give you the job? And, and, and if the Lord gave you the job, if He takes that away from you, He's going to give you something better. The Lord, he does, He's no man's debtor. He's never going to ever let us suffer loss for His sake when if we're walking in His will. And so just trust Him. You know, be bold in those things. Stand up against immorality and wickedness and sin. Stand up against ungodliness. Stand up for the truth. And, and the Lord will bless it. He'll give us opportunities. So be courageous with your neighbors. With your, we were talking in the back today. I think sometimes we get, we get so caught up with family relationships that we're afraid to share the gospel with people. I've heard people say to, say to me, uh, Mark, I don't want to share the gospel with my family because if I shared it, they would get offended and then we couldn't eat Thanksgiving together. What's more important, to have a few years of eating Thanksgiving meal with my family or to, to stand at the great white throne and see those, those same family members cast forever in the lake of fire? I mean, what's more important? You know? I, you know, every time I talk to my family on the phone, I say, you know, I'm really praying for you because, you know, you need to be saved because if you don't get saved and you were to die today, you go straight to hell. You know, my family's not offended by You know why? Because they know I love them. Because they know I pray for them. Because they know I want to see them. They don't agree with me, but they know I say it with no malice intent at all. They know that that's what I really believe. They don't agree, but again, they, they, so they're not offended by that. They don't say, I'm never going to talk to you again because every time I talk to you, you tell me I'm going to hell. You know? I, I plead with them. I weep as I talk to them on the phone. Please read the scriptures. Please, please read the gospel of John. Please believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, I beg them. Brethren, we need to be bold. I kind of beat around the bush for years and it didn't do any good. I'll tell you, I've had more success in the past few years since I've been direct with them speaking the truth in love than I ever had all those years when I just kind of beat around the bush a little bit. You know, I mean, people say, well, you know, it'll be a good testimony and my testimony will speak to them. And wow, the gospel is the power of God in salvation. The Lord doesn't tell me. I mean, our testimony is important. I'm not trying to take away from that. But we've got to preach the gospel. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And we've got to share that with folks, right? So, um, uh, be be uh, courageous, be strong, because you're going to divide the land. Then he says in verse 7, he says it again, only be strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all of the law which Moses my servant gave you. Turn not to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with us wherever thou goest. Brethren, we are again by nature extremists. We are. We, we either go to one extreme or the other. And I was I was talking to, to to Brian last night on the way home. I, I said one of the beautiful things is my wife is that perfect woman that the Lord has given me to keep me in balance because I'm one way and she's the other, right? And, and the, the two of us together balance out each other so perfectly, so wonderfully. It's it's great, and and that's what we need. In our life. You know the the thing about the Lord Jesus it says that that the law came by Moses. Of course, the man that's all man could do was ever give law. He could, he could never save anybody. He could never he could never be, show grace towards a man. He, the law was all man could do. So the law came by Moses, but grace and truth, two things that seem so polar opposite to us, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Righteousness and peace have come together in Him. So here's this, this, the fact that God is absolutely just and absolutely holy and come together with this truth that God is absolutely gracious and absolutely love. And the two things come together and meet 
perfectly in balance in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life in every aspect was in perfect balance. He knew when to sleep and when to be awake. Right? He was sleeping when other guys were awake. They're in the boat, right? They were all awake because the storm was in. He was resting. He was asleep. And when they were asleep there in the garden, or when they were asleep at night, he was praying. He was talking to the Father, either up on the mountain or there in the garden. Right? Perfect, perfect balance in his life. In everything. In everything. He knew when to say something. He knew when to keep his mouth shut. Right? He knew exactly when to do everything. And that's what we need. And so if we hold tightly to the Word of God, we're going to have balance in our lives. If we don't, we're going to either go one extreme or the other extreme. And that's why it's so great to have plurality of elders, right, in, in an assembly, because you have different personalities and different points of view. And, and, and as the Lord raises up men uh, to be in the oversight, He brings men together that will fit and will bring that balance so that they have that direction for the assembly that's not one extreme or the other extreme. It, it's beautiful when, when you see it work. And so he says, you be strong and courageous to observe everything that uh, the Moses has given you in the law. Don't turn to the left hand or to the right. It's just as wrong to be liberal and, and just open and, and not worry about anything as it is to be uh, strict and extreme and harsh and mean in your attitude. It's just the, Both of them are just evil, evil, uh, equally as, uh, wrong. And what the Lord wants is that perfect balance in our lives. We find that in the Word of God. And then he tells them, This book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Uh, this art of meditation, and boy, time's going really fast. I'm not going to get through all this thing. But this art of meditation, we talked about this morning. Fill not just your mind with the Word of God, fill your heart with the Word of God. Uh, you know, there, there's so many times when, I, I'm just simple. I mean, I'm a simple preacher. You guys see that. I mean, I'm not... I'm no scholar or great teacher or anything like that. A lot of times the Lord just gives me as I study His Word, as I read His Word, He just opens my heart and mind and just says, you know, this is what I want you to communicate. Um, I'll be laying in bed sometimes and I'll, I'll be preaching that morning and Angel will say, aren't you going to get up and do some study? I say, shh, I am, you know. Um, just meditation, just and, and the whole idea of meditation is like the cow, and you've heard this illustration, when he chews the cud, he chews, takes the grass, chews it a while, swallows it, Goes down to the first stomach, he brings it back up, chews on a little bit longer, swallows it again, and he does it. That's how he digests the food. And that's what meditation is, musing, bringing back up to the forefront of our hearts and minds the things of God and allowing the Spirit of God to help us to digest that and ingest that and make it part of ourselves. That's what it is. And a lot of times it's just turning off the radio as you're driving along, turning off the TV, just just spending time alone with the Lord. You know, we, we, we live in a society and culture when we gotta have our cell phones all the time, we gotta have we gotta be looking up the scores and we gotta be doing this and we got we gotta have the internet all the time. It's not good enough to have it at home, we gotta have it on our phones. We got, and, and, and there's nothing wrong with any of that. But we, we you know, you see kids we got D V D players in our cars anymore. You know, we can't even our kids can't even drive down the road from, from home to the chapel without and, and I don't want to criticize don't don't take it wrong. I mean, but you know how it is. We we didn't have that when we were growing. Our kids were growing up. You know, we just we just whacked them and told them to be quiet. That's all we did. You know, that's we didn't. <laughs> we didn't. Hope there's no social workers here. Anyway, um, you know, we didn't have all that stuff. But you know what I mean when I'm saying it's like we've got to be entertained every moment of the waking hours of the day. 
And brethren, it's time for us to be still before the Lord and just spend time alone with Him. I think part of the weakness in our lives individually as believers and part of the weakness in the lives of the assemblies of the Lord people is because we haven't cultivated a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, this is eternal life. John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, my Son Jesus Christ, whom you sent. That, that's it. And, and the word know there, you know, you know what it is? It's that, it's that intimate relationship, that they might have an intimate relationship with the Father and with the Son. Brethren, I wonder if we've lost sight of that intimacy. I wonder if we've lost sight of that relationship. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of families fall apart because we've lost that intimacy of just spending time together, just fellowshipping with each other. Without the TV, without games, just sitting around the dinner table and just enjoying one another's company. And we've lost that as a family. We've lost that with the Lord. Just spending time with Him. He saved us because He wants us for all eternity to spend time with Him. And we can't even spend time with Him on this earth because we're so busy with other stuff. I'm, and I'm talking about my own life. I'm not just, I'm not accusing anybody. I see my own life. I get caught up with the things of the world and I think, wow, huh, I might have read God's Word today, but it really didn't have any effect on me because I just got busy doing all this other stuff. Meditate day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written there. The Lord Jesus, when in John chapter 13, when He washed the disciples' feet, He says, I've left you an example. And here's what He said, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Just the knowledge of God's Word is really insignificant. 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1 says, Knowledge puffs up. It just gives us a big head. Knowledge doesn't do anything. You can know everything about the Word of God. But here's what he says, that you may observe, that you may put those things that you know into practical, daily experience of your life and observe and to, and to follow after and to uh, practice those things that you know are true in the Word of God. We talked about it a little bit this morning. I can teach my children um, the numbers and out, uh, adding and subtracting, but if we don't apply that, if there's no application for it, what good does it do us? You know, what good does it do us? So um, to observe, to do whatever you find written there. And then, and then as a result, meditation on God's Word, observing God's Word, applying God's Word, then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. You want to succeed in your marriage. You want to succeed as a husband or wife, as a father or a mother. You want to succeed as a child. You want to succeed in your workplace, as a boss, as an employee. You want to succeed as a student. Whatever realm of your life, you want to see success. And we all do. And the Lord wants us to be successful in those things. He wants us to prosper in those things. How do you do it? By meditating and applying the truths of God's Word. That's how. That's how. It seems easy, does it? But it, but it's hard to do oftentimes in our lives. Well, he says again to him in verse 9, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, no, neither be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. You know, part of the problem with, with setting up goals and setting up numbers is when we don't reach those goals, we get discouraged. And that's why I was saying this morning, if the only goal you and I have is the responsibility the Lord has given us, preach the word. Preach the Word. 
preach the word. I, I, there was an Uplook magazine a number of years ago that the front cover was in real fancy letters. It says, preach the word. I cut that out. My wife made me a nice little thing to hang on my wall. And just a constant reminder, preach the word, preach the word, preach the word. And you know, if, if, if we do that and we don't worry about the results, it's always going to be successful, right? We don't have to get discouraged. Here's what happens with discouragement and, and just disappointment is when we take our eyes off of the Lord and we put them on ourselves and what we are and what we've done. You know, we'll get discouraged, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I look at myself and boy, I get discouraged quick. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just easy to do. But you set your eyes on the Lord. Here's what happened with, remember with Peter? The Lord was walking across the water. Peter saw him. He said, if it's really you, tell me to come out and walk on the water. And he said, come on out. And he came out, started walking. And as long as he had his eyes set on the Lord, he was walking on the water. But as soon as he took his eyes off the Lord and put them on the circumstances, he sunk. And so many believers today have got their eyes on the circumstances. I know you've heard that story about the brother. Asked the brother, he says, how are you doing? He says, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty well. He says, what are you doing under the circumstances? Right? Really, seriously. I mean, brethren, we're above all that. We're, we're, we're to be walking with our hearts and our minds and our affections set on things above, on the Lord Jesus Christ, and the world will be unimportant to us. Uh, as it was to Abraham. And so he says, you be strong. He says, don't be as made for the Lord thy God is with you wherever you go. Wow, what a promise. And just quickly, I mean, it's already 7 o'clock and I don't want to go too, over too much. Uh, I don't want to go over it all, but we, we just mean, I, I want us to understand, here the children of, of Reuben and, and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they came in and they were on the eastern side of the Jordan River. They defeated Og and Magog or Gog and, and Bashan and all those on the, on the eastern side. And, and they said, here's what they said to Moses, look at all the green grass over here. We've got a lot of cattle. We want to stay over here. And Moses didn't want him to to begin with. He said, don't you remember what happened with Cadiz Barnea? You're going to discourage those others. And so he first he didn't want to, the Lord allowed him to do that. And then um, um, they made the promise that they would come over and fight with the children of Israel. Uh, and then when they when they defeated all the enemies there, they would go back. Well, let me just say, and again, you know, this this is what I see in the Scripture. If you don't agree with me, that's, that's perfectly fine because, I, you know, I may be totally wrong in this. But here's what I see in the Scripture. The Lord's will was for them to have all that land all the way from Euphrates all the way down to Egypt. But remember, when they went into the land, the Lord said, I'm going to give it to you little by little because there's not enough of you to possess the land. So I'm going to give it to you little by little. They weren't going to get it all at once. That was never God's plan. And the same thing is true for us. God doesn't just, we get saved and all of a sudden, boom! He gives us everything, right? He gives it to us little by little in our lives. Praise the Lord for that. We couldn't handle it if He gave us all at once. And so, they, 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 because of their sin, they had to go all the way around and come in from the eastern side. Now here's what happened. What did the, tri- the tribe say? The grass is green over here. Got lots of cattle. This is where we want to be. Do you remember the last time somebody said that? Remember, who was it? It was Lot. And he looked down on that Jordan River, and he looked at that valley, and he said, well, that grass all looks all green down there. That's where I want to be. And it was a disaster, wasn't it? It was a disaster. For the tribes of Reuben and Gad, and let me get this straight. I want to, I want to read, because I've... Um, um, these different groups of people, we talked about those that were in the wilderness and, and, and died there. Um, um, in the wilderness, the people who died picture the carnal-minded Christian. Uh, all they could do was think about Egypt and what they left behind and all the great things that were back there the good old days. That's all they could think about. 
and this again, this pictures the, the believers today because we, we have all these different groups. The mixed multitude that were among them were those that had, were false professors. They, just like today we have tares mixed among the wheat. There was a mixed multitude. Those that came out with them that truly weren't believers, okay, in their midst. Then you had those who remained on the east side of the Jordan River, the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh. Those are the ones who are saved but never really enter into the full joy of, of the salvation because they're earthly-minded Christians. They get caught up with this life, right? The cares of this world. Uh, my job and my house and my car and my stuff. And, you know, I actually know believers uh, talking with young, one young man, I said, man, I can't wait. Today could be the day when the Lord comes back and takes us home. To be, he says, I hope not very soon because I want to, my wife and I would like to have children and like to do this and that and the other. And wow, how can anything be more important to a believer than going home to be with the Lord? Again, I'll just quote Phil Dinninger. He told me one night, he said, Mark, you know, the best thing about going to heaven is we'll finally get to see the Lord Jesus face to face. He said, the second best thing about going to heaven is once we're there, we will never sin against the Lord again. Isn't that wonderful to think about? I can't wait to get there. You know, I'm tired of my sin. I don't know about you. I'm tired of it. But anyway, they're earthly minded. They're saved. They're going to heaven, but they still, their heart is still in the things of this world, in the things of this life, you know? And uh, then the, the believer that goes across in the Jordan River, the, the Israelite that goes across, is that one who enters into the fullness of salvation and the fullness of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and the blessings that, that go along with it. Well, so these, the, in, in other words, here's what happened with those Reubenites, and the, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. Remember when the Assyrians and the Babylonians, they carried the people away, they were the very first tribes to be taken away. They were always on the fringe. They were on the other side of the Jordan River from the temple of God, from the house of God, from the city of God. They were always on the fringe outside. And like we said with the the, the uh, Amalekites, they were the, the ones that were attacked and the first one carried away. And here's what happens with earthly-minded Christians. is the same thing that happens. They're the first ones to fall away in the work of the Lord and the things of the Lord and the assembly. They're the first ones. Brethren, we ought to just be rejoicing in the Lord Jesus Christ and all we have through Him. And so that's the different groups. Now, one other quick thing, because the children of Israel also tell Joshua, you be strong and courageous. And I, the Lord's got a sense of humor. I mean, he, he's not a, a, a jokester or anything like that. I mean, I, I joke around maybe too much, uh, probably too much. So but the Lord does, but he's got a sense of humor. I, I think when, when Elijah was there on the mount, mount with the uh, prophets of Baal, and they were up there and, and you know, praying to Baal to, Send on the fire, and and he says to him, uh, maybe he's on vacation, or maybe he's asleep. Maybe he need to yell a little bit louder. You know, I I think that's a little bit funny. Okay, but here's another thing that's kind of funny to me is they say to him, uh, we will hearken unto you in all, just like we listened to Moses and obeyed him. We're going to obey you. Now, now that's a little bit funny to me because I mean Joshua was around. <laughs> Boy, I sure hope you obey me better than you did Moses, I guess is what he was thinking, you know. I mean, you know, that's, 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 uh, that's ridiculous. But anyway, they, they said, we will obey you like we obeyed Moses. And uh, they told him to, you be strong and courageous. Brethren, you know, this place, this, the meeting of the assembly ought to be a place of refuge for us as believers. And so many times among the Lord's people, we beat each other up. We beat each other up over silly, ridiculous things. Now, if there's a brother in sin, there needs to be correction, right? With love and with kindness, uh, 
remembering that we could, by, but by the grace of God, we'll fall into the exact same thing, like it says in Galatians chapter six. But but to just be a place where we can gather together and know that I can be open and honest with my brethren in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they'll love me no matter what. They'll love me no matter what. I think sometimes there's problems in a person's life and he falls into sin because he couldn't be honest with the Christians about pray for me, brother. Pray for me. You know, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. I've got this in my marriage. I've got this in my home. I've got this. And we can't, we're afraid to be honest with each other because of the treatment that we give one another. This ought to be a place where we can leave the world behind and all the abuse of the world and we can come in here with oneness of heart and mind and just love one another and just be kind to each other and encourage one another. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Don't you think this is what this this place ought to be? I think it should. A place of healing, a place of kindness, a place of love. Not a place that I'm, I'm going to go there, going to beat me up when I go there this Sunday. Or I can't be honest with them because I know what they'll think. Oh, brethren. Oh, it shouldn't be that way. And uh, may the Lord just encourage our hearts. What a, what a man Joshua was. You know, at the end of his life, he says, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Doesn't matter what you all. You got to choose what you're going to. You can't serve God and Mammon. You can't serve the world and the Lord. You've got to choose who you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What a what a man! And it says all the time that Joshua lived, and all the time that the elders after Joshua uh, lived, um, the children of Israel followed fast at the Lord. And then right after that, Judges, the book of Judges, come when you have this great cycle that goes around where they fall away from the Lord and worship the false gods. God punishes them for that. Then they come back and they repent and the Lord restores them. And they go through that cycle over and over and over again. And the saddest statement, I think, in all the book of Judges is when it says, every man, there was no king in Israel and every man did what was right in his own life. Well, there was a king in Israel. But they rejected him. And in the book of Samuel, they see him, they see him overtly rejected. Give us a king like the nations. And the Lord said, They're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me. They're rejecting me. And the whole time of the nation of Israel, they rejected, till finally they took their king and they crucified him. And they said, We will not have this one to rule over us. We have no king but Caesar. Oh, brethren, might we learn the lessons? the children of Israel. Why might see the things that Israel did and the things that happened to them as lessons for you and me to avoid their pitfalls and to learn from the things that they did where the Lord blessed them and they had success. May the Lord help us and encourage us in these things for His glory. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for this time together. We thank You for Your Word and the many blessings. There's so much more that we could have gleaned from this portion. I just pray that you would bless this little assembly of your people and that you would use them to shine out as a light in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, uh, a, a wicked and perverse uh, country that we live in, a state and a city like this. Oh, Father, might they be salt that hasn't lost its savor, but they, they might be those that stand up for truth with courage and with, and with strength and with wisdom. Oh, Father, that you might add to this assembly that would please you, but most of all, that you would help them every day to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the of the Lord Jesus Christ and to be more conformed to his image and to bring glory and honor to his name in all that they do and say. And we'll give you the praise and thanksgiving through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank, thank you, dear brother.